worship team. Thank you for leading us in worship. I'm going to let you be seated, and I'm going to ask Sister Schoonover if she would come and greet you all today. I'm so glad to be here today. I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad that you felt that you needed to honor God and come and gather today. I was... um, I appreciate what Brother Flowers said about the bread program. How many of you have a Bible reading program that you you attempt, I attempt, to follow? Can I see your hands? That is a good thing. The Word of God is so anointed, anointed, and and it is His commandments that are written upon our heart as we read them. It gives us strength, even though we don't realize it. Even if we think, I'm going to read this chapter today because it's the right thing to do. That word goes into our spirit. We ingest it. And that's the only way you get unction. Unction of, the, of God doesn't just come upon you just because. Just because you're anointed. To, unction is something that goes out. So you have to bring it in to put it out. And it, it makes you strong. Every year I attempt a Bible reading program, and I'm not perfect, Um, but I do every year. I I do uh, different programs. I've done the bread program. I encourage you. I encourage you, no matter how long you've been serving the Lord, just like people set goals. We're a goal-oriented society. People buy their new day planner at the beginning of each year and they have all these special ones and we set goals for ourselves whether it be weight loss whether it be academics but I constantly have to reset recharge even my spiritual exercises that I do and that includes reading the word of God every day and prayer I, I get behind last night. I was giggling as Elderflower said that because I'm behind. And so, and I'm not doing this to get, nobody knows. I make marks in my Bible. I get a new Bible one year reading program every year and try and read it through and make notes. And I have so many grandchildren I'm hoping that, you know, when I die, who knows, that could be tomorrow, could be, you know, whenever. Um, Each child will have one of my bread, my one-year Bibles. Because it's just that important. If I leave them anything, it's just that important. And I was behind. I, You know, you can see where my busy months are in my life. During harvest, there's nothing checked off. Even though I, I try and read the Bible and pray every day, maybe if it's one scripture. But, but I just keep going. I just keep going. So last night I was working down in the basement of my home on a project. And I'm like, man, I'm supposed to have read uh, the rest of Daniel and Hosea. And so I just put it on my recorder, had my earbuds in. And my project turned out a little wacky because Hosea was messing with me. I'm like, what? God, why did you have that lady go marry that prostitute? There's got to be a reason. And, you know, it builds a hunger. It builds a hunger. And um, so it wasn't just checking off a box, but can I encourage you? 
Um, the bread program will come in. I'd, be, I'd love to share with you daily devotionals. They're so important. I use them because sometimes it's a different, a balanced diet than where I'm just wanting to camp out in Psalms. I'm just wanting to know everything is good and beautiful all the time. But every once in a while, the Lord wants to take me into Daniel or Hosea. And um, we're living in times that we can't give up, that we have to be strong. I don't know if you've been paying any attention to the news, but we have to be strong. We have to be strong. We have to be ready to give an answer at all times. So I've been praying for Elder Flowers this morning. I'm really excited about the anointing and the unction that's on him. And I want to receive today in Jesus' name. I have one prayer request as he comes. My little sister, she's been backslidden for 40 years or so, almost 40 years. And this week... Um, within the next couple of weeks, she needs to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She needs to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. Her name is Pamela Thompson. Can you help me pray for her this week? Pamela Thompson. She's going to soon, unless the Lord intervenes, she's going to soon go on. And she needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm really desperate about it, but I cannot make anything happen. This morning I was thinking, I'm going to fast. I'm going to stop eating today and not going to eat again until I see her, elderflowers. And I've done that before with people. But this little thing told me, uh, I don't know if it was God or not, but I can't do it. God can do it. And I don't fast to bribe God to do it. But he will do it. And I came in here and started singing with you guys. And I decided I'm going to thank the Lord because he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Her name is Pamela Thompson. And her days are numbered. And if you would pray that she would be filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, my family. Let the church say amen. Now let the church say amen because you believe it. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to dismiss our children for their classes. Thank you, Sister Schoonover, for sharing with us. We love our children. We love our teachers for our children. Thank them for their burden and their time and their energies and their effort, all that they do. Amen. I'm going to start in John chapter 3, I think. I'm feeling so much from the Lord, I don't even know which direction to go, but (laughs) we're just going to see what the Lord wants to do today. Now, I'm going to, my wife said I need to let everybody know this. Just, we have that camera up there, I know. And it's shining on me, pointing at me. But if you sit in this middle section... Most of the time, if not 100% of the time, you won't be seen on that camera. So she said, I need to let everybody know that just so you know. If you sit there, it doesn't mean you're going to be on the screen. So you can still sit wherever you want, but I'm just letting you know those premium seats are open. John chapter 3, verse 3. No, John chapter 3. Verse 28, I'm going to give you the context. I feel like unless the Lord intervenes, I'm going to be talking a lot about Scripture today and praying that you're all right with that. 
But I'm going to give you the context of this passage in John 3. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And he did a lot of things before he baptized Jesus. He did a lot of things after he baptized Jesus. He's mostly known for baptizing Jesus, though. And he had some prophetic uh, instances surrounding his birth. Many of you know that with his father and his mother and uh, the angel that showed up and prophesied his birth and that the Lord was sending him uh, to do great things. But John the Baptist, he had already baptized Jesus. And what we're going to read here real fast is after he had baptized Jesus, he he spent the last little bit of his life in prison. But before he was in prison and after he baptized Jesus is where we are reading about right here in these verses. And John had disciples. And the scripture says that there was an argument or I guess a questioning between the Pharisees, the Jews, and the disciples of John. And they go to John and they say, hey, maybe you can share a little light uh, on this situation. I'm not going to talk about the question or the dilemma that they were trying to get him to talk about. uh, But his answer is really sufficient here, I believe. So John 3 and 28 John, sorry, 27, John three twenty seven. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ. So he's basically saying, you've all heard me say I am not the Christ. And he said that, amen. He said it plenty of times. A lot of times people would even ask him, sometimes even in the middle of while he's speaking or preaching or declaring things, but who are you? And he would say, I am not the Christ. Now think about it. I I just want you to think for just a minute. This was a time in history where the word Christ was used clearly but it was not associated with one specific individual. In other words, they didn't know who it was. There was a prophecy that the Christ would come and that he would save people from their sins. He would be God's anointed one. If you look up the word Christ, you see that it means anointed anointed one or Messiah. We use that term a lot too, in the, especially in the New Testament. They, they call him the Messiah, but that's what he's talking about. And John knew or he picked up on the fact more and more people are thinking that they see something special about me. And because of that, they are going to start to think or assume or at least question he must be or maybe he is. The Christ. And he says it here. I've, you, you know, you've heard me say I'm not the Christ. But I am sent before him. He, jump down to verse 30. He must increase. Talking about the Christ. He must increase. But I must decrease. John had a proper 
view, a perspective of himself and his life and his calling. He knew why he was put on this earth and what was going to happen with his life. But he, this right here, I think a lot of it hinges on that. He had this understanding. I have to decrease. Now, I've heard it said, and I believe it wholeheartedly, we apply this to ourselves in our walk with God. I need less of me, less of my flesh, less of my thoughts, less of my own ideas, and I need all more of God and more of His stuff. And that's true. I believe that. But what John is saying right here is, in the, the span of time and in the work of Christ, you need to be seeing Him more and more. You need to be hearing Him more and more, and you need to be seeing and hearing less of me. I must decrease. He that cometh from above. That's another thing that John's going to let us know he had a proper understanding of, was who was Jesus? Where did he come from? How did he get here? What, what was he? Who was he? He that cometh from above. Everyone say from above. That's how he got here. He that cometh from above is above all. He's talking about the Christ. And he's above all because he came from above. He that is of the earth is earthly. He's talking about himself. I'm just, I'm just a guy. Walking on the earth, wearing this, these dirty clothes. Maybe a little bit of stinky breath. I don't know. I'm just a guy. And I'm from the earth. And I'm earthly, he says. And I speak of the earth. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And as he said it right here, I am from the earth, so I speak of the earth. He's going to tell us about what he speaks. Verse 32. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. That's what he speaks. He's from above. He's over all. And he's testifying. He's speaking about what he's seen and what he's heard. If you ever wanted to know what went on or what goes on up above, up in heaven, listen to the things that Jesus said. Because he's testifying about what he has seen and what he has heard. And no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth him for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Now, 
Let me just pause for just a second. I'm not going to go very fast, I don't think, today. And you better just get comfortable, okay? But turn your ears on. What was that, Dukes of Hazard? Is that what they used to say? You got your ears on? I'm speaking. You got your ears on? My Lord. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> he gives not the Spirit by measure unto him. John says, let me tell you the difference between me, just the guy, and that man who is the Christ. I talk about the things that happen here on earth. And I've just, you know, I'm called by God and I preach and I'm telling you about who he's going to be and what he's going to do. But I have just a measure of the spirit given to me a little bit or a lot, whatever it is. It's not all. It's not. It, there's a measure of water in this cup. A little bit ago, there was a little bit more of a measure and it could be all the way to the top. But that's a measure and he says the Spirit doesn't give Christ a measure. He doesn't give him just a little bit of the Spirit of God. I'm talking about who Christ is. Who Jesus is. If he doesn't give a measure of the Spirit... It's got to be, well, either he's no spirit or he is the spirit. Right? I mean, he's, uh, I'm not going to go there. He was all spirit. I'm going to try to help you today. I'm going to try to help me today, help us understand. He was all spirit. Look at John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of when there was the Word. This is not the beginning of the earth. This is not year zero or 1200 B.C. Or it's, it's in the beginning when there was nothing else. There was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. There was nothing else. There was no grass. There were no birds. There was no trees. There wasn't even this thing called H2O, hydrogen. One atom of hydrogen and two atoms of oxygen. There was nothing but in the beginning there was the Word. The Word was God. The Lord took me back to a time when we lived in Selah for just a brief period of time when we only had one child. That ought to give you an idea of how long ago that was. But we had a duplex there and Every now and then I would see my neighbor who lived on the other side. And every now and then I'd talk to him, just a, a single guy, lived there by himself. He was mostly quiet, mostly kept to himself. Every, he was friendly, though, and every now and then we would talk. And uh, one time we just started to talk a little bit about, 
the church and about our work with the church and kind of what brought us to where we were in that season of life. And I started to just talk a little bit about this thing called oneness. It was a foreign concept to him completely. He had never heard anything like what I was describing. I believe he did have a little bit of a... um, a Bible-based understanding, I wouldn't say background, but he he had known some about, you know, what the Bible says about a few things. But when I when I told him about the oneness that I believe that that God is one, and, and that He was, you know, as it says here, the beginning, it was God, and it was the Word. I, I go through and I talk about this, and then I get to. The end of what I'm saying, and he just looks at me, and he says, So you believe Jesus is God? I don't really know what I said, but I at least said enough to get that, that much out. And I said, yeah, I do. I believe Jesus is God. And if nothing else, this passage right here in John 1, 1 clarifies that for me in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God the same that's the word was in the beginning with God verse 3 it says all things were made this hydrogen and oxygen thing that developed into something called water and then the air and the carbon all things were made by him without him was not anything made now i like the fact that the bible uses the word him and it's not because of a you know him versus her thing i like that it gives him a personage not a percentage, a personage. It, it, he gives, he's a person when it calls him him. That's a way that we can understand and relate to God. All things were made by the word that was with God, that was God. Without him, there was nothing made. In him, was life in him was life and the life that was in him was the light of men okay now we're definitely talking about on our level but before there was even men to be lit there was light That was him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's who we talked about. He bared a witness of the light. Now, I'm skipping down to verse 14. I'm in John 1, verse 14. I'm going to go back and just... To make sure we're on the same page, John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. 
the Word was God. There is no separation. You cannot separate me from the thing that I is. If you let me use that, pro- that improper grammar. This tie is not me. You can separate the tie from me. I'm wearing it right now, but it's not me. But this hair, I mean, as long as it's here, Lord willing, this is me. You can, you can, you can cut it off, you know, and you can, well, that's not me, but it's still here. These fingernails are me, right? The nose is me. It's, it's me. This elbow is me. This, it's what I am. It's what makes me who I am. I is. And the word is. In the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now, verse 14, and the word was made flesh. I've, I've heard this. I feel like this might make it as plain as, as it could be to me. If you replace the word, word, with the word thought, or the word idea, because he existed without a body, he existed in spirit Form And remember what John said, it wasn't just a measure of spirit given to the Christ. He existed before there were men, before there were bodies. But he existed and he had all knowledge. Picture an invisible mind, if you would, floating over this platform. And it's invisible and it's a mind. That's God, that's spirit, that's the spirit nature of God that was in the beginning and in that spirit nature is the word. Now, that thought, that idea, that spirit nature became flesh. So what it says in verse 14. The Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. Not flesh was made and then it was called the Word. Okay? There's a a difference in that. Some people really believe that Jesus was just a man and then we decided to call Him what we call him. That's backwards because he was before he was a man. Now we only started calling him what we call him once he became a man. But that doesn't change the fact that he was before he became. The word became flesh. How does something become flesh? The thought, the idea, the spirit nature become flesh. 
Well, flesh in this sense means human. How does a human become a human? Through this word called conception. Conception. The Holy Ghost, it says, overshadowed Mary and she conceived a child. Conception. That is the literal fulfilling of John 1.14. The Word became flesh. Had a body. Uh, now, I don't have time to get into all the different Old and New Testament de- declarations about uh, you, unto you a son is born, unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and, you know, all that it says about him. I mean, it's coming up on Christmas. If you just listen to the radio, you'll hear some of that. Thank God. While they still play it. Oh, did I have to say that? The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John bare witness of him. And cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. The Bible also says, In him dwelled all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. To me, that verse is the description of the term oneness. As it relates to the man Christ Jesus. Because in him, in him, everybody say in him. Say it again, in him. Everyone say dwelled. In him dwelled. That means inside of him. All, everyone say all. The fullness of the Godhead. What is the fullness of the Godhead? It is that invisible spirit floating. When I told you to picture it up above here, that is God. That's the thought. That's the idea. That's the spirit nature. Now, we, because we're human, we have come up with, and with the help of God in a lot of times, terms that are supposed to help us identify and relate to him. But instead, if you're not careful, they become a source of confusion. Because as soon as I use this word, it could cause confusion. When I use the word father, that spirit, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with the father. I have not changed the meaning of that verse. Now watch this. In the beginning was the Father. And the Father was with God. I have not changed the meaning of that verse. Because that's who. We are talking about one. Now it says, in him, in Jesus Christ, the man dwelled all the fullness of The Spirit, the Father, the God, the Creator, however you want to call it. It was in 
Jesus Christ. How did it get there? It got there through that word I used earlier called conception. Because it was the Spirit of God overshadowing Mary, causing her to be with child. That child is, John 1.14, the Word becoming flesh. In Him dwelled all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Going back to John 1.14, we beheld His glory. Who's, who's we? We is the writer of John, who is John, and the rest of those that were with him that saw him. To behold means to see. I behold a tissue box because I see it. I'm going to fix that. We beheld his glory. What's the glory? The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. What I see, the man that I am seeing is me beholding his glory. Full of grace and truth. I want to look at this passage here. Look at the book of Luke. You might have heard this passage. Jesus is with his disciples. And he's, he has performed great miracles. He's done a lot of wonders, signs, and and he's starting to get a reputation. He's starting to become well known because of his, because his, his fame spreads throughout the earth. Just for really quickly, Jesus calls his disciples together. Verse 18, Luke 9 and 18, I'm going to read this. It came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? Who is everyone saying? What are they saying about me? Who do they think that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias. Others say that one of the old prophets is risen. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it, it, it all records this same passage, but none of them say it the same way. The response that Peter says. Luke says, Thou art, or he says here, Peter answer says, The Christ of God. One other passage says, Thou art the Christ. Another one says, Thou art Christ the Son of God. Do you think the disciples were that confused about him? I don't think they were confused at all about him. I think John wrote it the way that he heard it because he recognized who he's talking about. Matthew wrote it the way he wrote it because he knew who he's talking about. Mark wrote it the way he wrote it because he knew who he's talking about. But they all know. When Peter says, we know who you are, 
And here he says, the Christ of God. We understand you are the anointed one. The cho- now here, okay, hear me. What the, I don't know well enough to say this, but my understanding of what the Jews were looking for was not in him dwelled all the fullness of God bodily. What they were just looking for was the lamb. The, the, the man who is going to take away our sins. Because it was prophesied, and through all the prophecies, it was said, and it was said true and correctly, God will be with you. His name's going to be Emmanuel, God with you. But when the angel looks at Mary and says, His name, His name, thou shalt call His name Jesus. She did not, he, he did not say, you shall call his name Christ. The angel did not say, you shall call his name Emmanuel. The angel said, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That second part, they all got. They know. They realize. Yes, good. That's what the Messiah is supposed to do. Save us from our sins. But... The name, when it was not revealed in the Old Testament, it hid that fact that it would be Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah salvation. Jehovah has become my salvation. The word that was in the beginning, has become, took on flesh, and is now my salvation. That is a whole lot different. I know it doesn't sound like much, but that is a lot different than saying he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the chosen one. He's the anointed one. Because what it adds is the element Jehovah. Jehovah is how God is and was referred to throughout Scripture. God. Jehovah. Philippians chapter 2. This is my last passage I'm going to read, I think. Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to start at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind. Everyone say the mind. The mind that was in Christ Jesus, who being 
in the form of God. One, one uh, translation I read said, who being essentially equal with God. Well, John says, who being God. Let me, uh, let me stop. This is a class today, okay? I know some of you probably don't know what you're going to get from week to week when you show up. That's the Lord's doing. But I do not want you to leave today until you hear this lesson. He had to robe himself in flesh. He had to. Why? Because he's Jehovah's salvation. He shall save his people from their sins. How do our people, how does his people get saved from their sins? Through death. That's all the way back to the beginning. The very first person that God created, Adam, he told him, death is what happens when you disobey? I know that's strong. We just took a leap from 101 to about 401. But death is what happens when you disobey. In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Death. That's not my decision. That's not your decision. That's God's decision. And now he says, because you have done this thing, there has to be death. Sin. Everyone say sin. I'm going to talk about it for just a minute. Sin is the thing that separates us from God. Adam, when he was created originally, he was not separated from God. He had a special relationship and union with God that he lost when he sinned. When sin came into the picture, there was separation from God. I talked about it, I think it was last Tuesday. The enemy's goal is to keep you separated from God through any means possible. The easiest one is sin. The, the easiest way he can keep, he knows this stuff. And he knows I can be this close. This is God. This is me. I can be this close. And, oh, I just love my Savior. But if I am still separated from him, just by this much, the slightest bit, I can tell myself whatever I want to tell myself. And I can tell you about me whatever I want to say. Oh, I am saved. I am sanctified. I'm one with God. But is there 
sin. If there is, his word is what supersedes all the rest of this. Sin. Now, when sin is there and there is the separation, the God who created these things, the word, by him, remember, all things were made. The word decides I need to get back with him. I created him to fellowship with him. I created him to have a relationship with him. I, I created him because I love him. I want to walk with him. I want to be his God. I want him to be my child. That's, that's my desire here. And my desire, hear me, my desire to fellowship and have communion and relationship with my child is the driving force behind all that I do. Including providing a way to restore. Providing a way to restore that relationship. Now here's the deal. I'm God and I said my word and I said there's got to be death when there's sin. How can I restore? You know, I'm going to start off by slaying this animal. Because this is what I'm going to call the death that I said had to happen. And it's what's called a substitution sacrifice. And you know what? Where there's that death, that writes over that sin. Blood covered the sin. Now I'm going to get there. There's a difference in covering and remitting but that blood covered the sin. And that way, when he came in to fellowship with his people, he says, do you have the blood covering your sin? Because if you do, I can fellowship with you. I can have a relationship with you. Yeah, yeah, I killed it. You know, I killed I got that sacrifice. I got the blood applied. Good. You know what, though? I'm still alive, and I'm going to sin again. And I did. So I got to kill another one. Okay, you kill another one. That's how much I want to fellowship with you. Kill another one. The Lord's probably looking back. How many sheep do we have back here? Because I, that's how much I want to have a relationship with my people. And then he decides, no more. No more of this substitutionary sacrifice and having to do it and then sinning and then having to do it again and then sinning and then having that is not going to cut it that is not the relationship that i ordained that i established i need a way i will become 
I will become the sacrifice. So why did he have to take on flesh so that he could become the sacrifice? Now, he also wanted a spotless lamb. That's what is required to take away the sin. The spotless lamb. He says, okay, the only way I can become the sacrifice that is acceptable is to put myself in that form. Take on flesh. Take on flesh. So he did. That's all that we just talked about. He took on flesh. Let me keep reading. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Made himself obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Verse 9, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Okay, I'm trying to get done, I promise. Do you think God, who says explicitly in his word, I will share my glory with no Man, do you think he would just give a man a name that's higher than his name? It's in there. That's what it says. I will share my glory with no other. So it says he gives him a name that's above Every name. John said this too at the beginning. Remember? He that cometh from above is above all. And he's got this name. God hath given him a name. And we want to see. See, here's, here's the confusing part. As a father and as a mother, we got to name a few people. A handful. More than some of you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But we, because that was our right as the parent, we are going to name this thing. But we try to relate that to the relationship between God and Jesus Christ, the man. And all of a sudden we've missed the picture because we're trying to put it in this mold that matches what we do as humans. And we say, well, he must, they must be different 
If you're looking at this, this passage even specifically, right here in Philippians 2, without the understanding of God in Christ, then you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, hang on, I'm losing count again. I see God and I see Jesus. I see the Father and I see the Son. Go back to the last verse, verse 9. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him. That's God. That's the spirit. The nature, the spirit nature of God. He's saying I need to name. Not, I don't need to name that. I need to name me. In that form. highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven I'm just letting this sink in. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven. And again, without proper understanding, we want to see an authority structure of God and Jesus and we see we thought we saw it here on the earth and so we want to see it up there in heaven too again i'm going to say this one more time do you think god who says i will not share i will not share my glory with anyone else thou shalt have no other gods before me and do you think he would introduce this thing up in heaven and say look at this creation called jesus and everybody worship him and i'm just gonna sit back let you all worship him doesn't work that way But when you see two, it has to work that way. We haven't even got to the third. Why don't you stand with me? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, let me give you just a little bit of insight 
peak here. I honestly, this weekend and, and, and leading up to today, I really thought we were going to talk and deal a lot about what the things that we speak and the things that we say and the power that we have with our words and the power of, you know, the scripture says in Proverbs, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Jesus spoke to a fig tree and said, you're not going to bear any more fruit. And he killed it. He struck down that tree with his voice, with what he could say. It all, this is, this is what I'm going to bring it home to. It all, all, the power of the words and the power. I listen. I'm, I'm confessing to you right now. This is embarrassing, but I'm going to confess it to you. I listened to a video about the power of speech. And I made it about halfway through and I thought, no, I can't listen to this anymore. Because what the world would like to give you in place of the power of this speech is... Just say, I am a strong person. Just say, I will succeed. Just say, I am going. I, and, and, and I heard it, and I heard it. I am, I am, I am, I will, I will, I can. And I thought, pause. Because that's what this world has to offer. What can you do for you? That's my question. What can you do for you? But if I start right here at this confession, then I can speak. Man, can I speak. But it, it's not me. It's all about the power, the authority of God that would reside in a person and cause it to speak. And that word is powerful. When it's online, I've got to know who Jesus is. I have to know who Jesus is. Every eye closed, I want you to pray. I want you to speak, talk to the Lord. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you would open my understanding. I thank you, Lord, that you would give me revelation of who you are. I thank you, Father, that the power that resides in you the power that resides in you from the beginning. Jesus, you were there in the beginning. All this world was made by you. Every person in this room was made by you, Father. It's all for you. It's all for your glory. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, would you say it? In the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Jesus, you are Lord. 
Jesus, you are Lord. Thou art the Christ. You're the Christ of God. You're the Son of God. All the fullness of God. It dwelleth in you. It dwelleth in you. Open our eyes, Father. Open our eyes. Open our understanding. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Speak to the Lord. Speak to the Lord. Let Him speak back to you. What matters that I say is what I say in prayer. The things that I say in prayer are what matter. Those are what bring power. The power of God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak against disbelief right now. I speak against doubt right now, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let your power abide in us. Let your word abide in us. Let your spirit abide in us. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you the opportunity to fellowship with the Lord a little longer. As my wife sings and plays, why don't you just fellowship with the Lord? If you want to come up in the front and pray here, it's open. But come on, the Lord is pouring out things right now. We are laying hold of it right now. In the name of Jesus.
Thank you, precious Father. Thank you, precious Father. Oh, there's nobody like them, like him, is there? There's nobody like Jesus that his name is so powerful. When you say it, it just gives that feeling. It just gives that reassurance. It just gives that anointing that there's only one God. There's only one above all. There's only one who sits on the throne, and his name is Jesus. That's a precious name. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Before we dismiss, if we could just pray together and prepare ourselves for God, for Jesus, for the Spirit, who are all the same.
if we can prepare ourselves for what his will is to bring into our lives this coming up I think we would do a great service to ourselves amen let's just pray together church in the precious name of Jesus God we come before you humbly hungry and thirsty for more of you God we pray that you would touch every home and family you would touch each and every marriage child young person we pray that your presence would be with your people today God lead us in your word lead us in your will lead us in your ways God we pray let your name be represented Lord Jesus wherever we go and whatever we do we do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving glory to the Father through you God we worship you and we adore you Father and thank you for what you've allowed us to have today in feeling your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you for...